Worship in the World is a screen-free worship experience brought to you by Downtown Church. Downtown Church is a community of unfinished people based in Columbia, South Carolina. We believe in asking honest questions while we strive to follow Christ within our own communities, loving people wherever they find themselves on their faith journey. Thank you for being with us today. Join us now in a prayer of confession. Let us pray. Lord of all creation, you have called us each by name. We are yours. Yet we seek control where we have none. We mock your work because we're too lazy to pick up after ourselves. We neglect our covenant with you. We ignore your word and your teachings God, grant us your grace and peace in the midst of our brokenness. Forgive us, O Lord. Help us to trust more in you and your timing. Guide us to be good stewards of your creation. Teach us to delight in your promises to us. Inspire us in all that we do 
cling to your Son, Jesus the Christ. And now let us pray silently. We don't deserve it. We don't earn it. It isn't transactional. Yet God forgives us. God always leaves the door open for us to change our mind, for us to be transformed by God's Spirit as she dwells among us. The good news is that we are forgiven, called to forgive. We are loved, called to love. Live in peace with God and with one another. Amen. And now for Holy Interruption. Hello, Downtown Church. This is John Loveday. And Amanda Loveday. This past year has presented us all with unprecedented challenges. Our family, just like yours, has experienced our share of highs and lows. We are reminded that pain is unavoidable during this time. Suffering is a part of the human condition. You can't get to joy, to relief, without hurting, without suffering. But with each dusk comes the dawn, and each new day brings life. It also brings hope. As we approach the end of another winter and the beginning of a new spring, may we all find hope in the days ahead. We can't wait to see you all again soon, have our children play together, and be able to host this holy interruption in person. From our family to yours, may peace be with you. And also with you. If you're enjoying this podcast, we invite you to pass it along to a friend who you think might enjoy it too. Jumping in for a brief announcement, uh, Discover Downtown is happening this Tuesday, March 9th at 6 p.m. You can register online. Lucas, what is Discover Downtown? <laughs> Don, I'm so glad you asked. Discover Downtown 
is an opportunity for folks who might be newer to the congregation, newer to this church, um, an opportunity to learn more about us, to hear our story, to gather together outside for a meal, um, and just ask the pastors any questions you might have. Not any question, but, you know, appropriate questions. Appropriate questions. Any uh, question, probably. And it's absolutely fine. free. Uh, register online. We're going to be eating outside, uh, and it's just a great time. We look forward to seeing y'all there. Holler at us if you have any questions. Um, you can find us on the website. And real quick, so Discover Downtown is, we don't have that many tra traditions in our nine years of history, but Discover Downtown is one of them. It echoes how the church got started in a pastor's home around a, a dinner table, just dreaming up what um, this church could be. Uh, so some things like the time of our worship at 10 a.m. or the music for our worship, um, all of those things came out of those conversations. So it's it's a chance for us to get to know new people in the church, but it's also an opportunity for um, people who are newer to the church to contribute to part of our story and to who we're going to become in the future. So hopefully we'll see you on Tuesday. Today's the last day, Sunday. Today's the last day to, to sign up. We continue our sermon series on the covenants, and today I'm reading from Genesis chapter 17, verses 1 through 7, and then skipping ahead to verses 15 and 16. Listen for God's word. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless. And I will make my covenant between me and you and will make you exceedingly numerous. Then Abram fell on his face. <laughs> God said to him, as for me, this is my covenant with you. You shall be the ancestor of a multitude of nations. No longer shall your name be Abram, but you shall be Abraham for I have made you the ancestor of a multitude of nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make nations of you, and kings shall come from you. I will establish my covenant between me and you and your offspring after you throughout the generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and to your offspring after you. And skipping ahead to verse 15. God said to Abraham, as for Sarai, your wife, you shall not call her Sarai, but Sarah should be her name. I will bless her, and moreover, I will give you a son by her. I will bless her, and she shall give rise to nations, kings of peoples shall come from her. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. title of today's sermon is The Toy in the Cereal Box. You know when you're a kid and you get more excited about that toy that comes in the cereal box than the cereal itself? I remember back in the 90s there, there were these troll dolls that came in a cereal box and they had the bright colored hair that stood straight up and the jewel and the belly button. And the particular ones I'm talking about that came in the bottom of the cereal box, they could go on top of your pencil. 
I remember trying to collect all of those at one point. I ate my way through boxes and boxes of cereal to convince my parents that they needed to go buy more boxes of cereals. And then I would bargain with my siblings when those boxes came home so that I would get to keep the toy. It's amazing what fills our childhoods, isn't it? At one point, my cousin was at the beach with with me and my grandparents, and she saw a Coca-Cola commercial that promised a bright red convertible if you got the right combination of numbers behind the, the bottle cap. She was about to turn 16, and my grandparents were willing And so we drank our hearts content in Coca-Cola that week, all for a good cause, you know, with the hopes of a bright red convertible. Marketing man, (laughs) they are smart. Well, this desire, this desire for the toy in the cereal box over the cereal itself, it makes me think about Abraham and Sarah, and in particular, their covenant with God. Abraham and Sarah, they have wanted kids forever. That's not news. They've wanted kids, and they've tried for kids, and they haven't been able to have kids. So they know how painful that process can be. They've known it for decades. And now now they are 99 years old. And now is the time God says, for them to begin a family. It's a long-awaited miracle that God delivers a child to these parents. And if circumstances were different, we might imagine Abraham would say to God, hey, thanks, God. Thanks very much. But Abraham doesn't do that, does he? No, Abraham falls on his face when God says, now is the time. Later in Scripture, we learn that Abraham and Sarah laugh at the absurdity of God's promise. Sure, this is one of the Bible's greatest miracles, but if God had all this power to give them a baby, why not do so, you know, a little bit sooner than when they've both reached 99 years old? I understand why they laugh at the absurdity. In my experience, that's a, that's a normal response to shock, certainly better than crying. We can relate can't we, to their story? Because we've all longed for something and wondered why it hasn't come. And we've all tried to make peace with it. And, and so then when you finally receive word that you're going to get what you've always wanted, falling on our face might be an appropriate response. We all know what it's like to Live with promises unrealized, dreams unrealized, maybe not 99 years worth, but we've all gone without. There are those among us who wish for a life partner. God, when are you going to answer that prayer? I know you hear me. I see you answering other prayers of mine, but why not that one? And then there are those of us who wish for a child who plead with God, just one God. We just want one. Why do we have to watch our friends post pictures of their growing bellies and their gender reveals and the ridiculously precious babies when my heart aches for just one? And then there are those among us who are 
who wish for fulfillment in work or in our daily lives, and we watch and wait for the job to come or the opportunity to come that will make the hours pass more enjoyably, the years to have some shape of purpose to them, something we can be proud of at the end of our lifetime, something that matters. Why, God, does it take so long to fulfill the promise? This reading, Genesis 17, it's not the first time God has made promises to Abraham and Sarah. Just as Sarah and Abraham have wished for children for decades, God has been making promises to them for decades. It begins in Genesis 12, verses 1 through 3, which is 25 years earlier. God calls Abraham and Sarah out of Haran into a new land. God makes them a great nation and blesses them and promises to make their name great. And then in Genesis 15, God comes to Abraham with a vision. Abraham has no children, and the reality of descendants seems to be slipping with time. But God renews God's covenant with Abraham, this time marking it with a ritual. God promises Abraham land and descendants numbering more than the stars in the sky. So by the time we get to chapter 17 in Genesis, Abraham is 99 years old. He and Sarah have no children together. Abraham has one child, a son, Ishmael, who is a son given to him by Hagar, Sarah's maid on Sarah's insistence. And at this point, Ishmael is a preteen. So that promise to Abraham and Sarah of a great nation, it's a distant dream. Together, they have no heir. Here's where the toy in the cereal box comes back in. The children promised to Abraham and Sarah. They are part of the promise, but they aren't the whole. Over the course of their lives, documented in Genesis, God promises again and again to be with Abraham and Sarah. God accompanies them through their struggles and their questions and their dreams. God promises things like land and descendants, yes, but the main substance, the cereal of the covenant, is God's promise to be with them, to be their God. The land and the descendants, those are extra pieces, vital, important pieces to be sure, but only a part And they seem to be the part that Abraham and Sarah are most excited to get. But it's not the whole. Another part of this covenant is that Abraham and Sarah walk before God and be blameless before God. But just like God's covenant with Noah that we talked about last week, that the covenant with God is not dependent on human behavior. It's not dependent on Abraham and Sarah's good behavior. Rather, they're walking before God, blameless before God, is a response to God's presence with them. It's a part, not the whole, of the promise. This story of Abraham and Sarah, it's so relatable to us because we all know what it's like to have our desires and our reality not match up. We've all had prayers go unanswered, promises we heard God make, and then we still wait for them to come true. 
And it's important that we remember the cereal and the covenant. God promises to be with us even as we wait and God waits for the other parts of the covenant to come true. I'm watching The Crown on Netflix right now. It's a television series that shares the story of the royal family in Great Britain. And I'm at the end of season four when Prince Charles and Prince Diana take the spotlight. And this series, it paints a picture for us that Charles and Diana are not on the same page when it comes to their marriage covenant. Charles is in love with someone else. And Diana is left alone in the palace, ignored, as she enters one of the most important covenants of her life. The queen. The queen, seeing that her son Charles is not excited about their marriage, advises her son to uphold his duty, to marry Diana, to work hard at the relationship, and to be patient. Love will come, she says. It's like she's describing love as the toy that we might find in a cereal box. For her, and presumably the rest of the royal family, the duty to the covenant itself and producing heirs, that is the main part of the covenant. Love is an afterthought, a luxury. Many of us know this story. Their marriage did not last. Charles and Diana had different expectations of this covenant, and though I'm sure... I'm sure that Charles and Diana had some moments of warmth and connection. It ends with hard feelings. It seems like a huge miss that each of their wishes, their desires for the covenant are never met. It's like they didn't have an honest conversation about what this covenant means or what they're willing to sacrifice to commit to make it work. For Abraham and Sarah, their story ends differently. Abraham and Sarah probably weren't perfect humans. Their marriage probably wasn't perfect either, but their covenant with God, that is met in its entirety. It takes a lifetime, for sure, but eventually they get both God's relationship with them and the descendants and the land that they wanted. And I think that gives hope for all of us. It gives hope to us that whatever we long for right now, whatever we still don't have right now, there is time for us to discover. Old Testament Walter Brueggemann, Old Testament scholar Walter Brueggemann describes God's promise to Abraham and Sarah to bear a son. It's a gift that sets off Israel's imagination Brueggemann writes, the God who can give a baby can give everything. The God who can work this new life can work all new life. In every circumstances, the bounds of possibility are broken. We may not understand God's timing. I certainly do not. We will not know why. God waited until Abraham and Sarah were so old, 99, to give them their first child. Why they had to struggle in agony. What we can understand is this, that God's primary purpose in the covenant is to be our God, 
Verse 7, God says, I will establish my covenant between me and you to be God to you and to your offspring after you. That connection is what is most important, which makes me think of our relationships with one another as a community of worshipers downtown church. In baptisms and in our general promise to walk in faith alongside one another, our covenant is based in this everlasting covenant with God. God's promise is to be with us. Our promise, then, is to be with one another, to point each other beyond ourselves to God, who is with us. And yeah, we make all sorts of other promises to each other. We promise to help raise one another's kids in the faith and to care for one another when we're sick, to weep with those who weep and rejoice with those who are rejoicing. And all of those promises are important, but the baseline of God's promise is to be with us. I find this incredibly reassuring Because there are times when we cannot uphold all the promises that we make. It is hard to care for someone else when you yourself are sick. And this pandemic has stretched us to find new ways to help raise each other's kids and the faith from six feet apart. But regardless of our circumstances, God's covenant, the substance of it, always remains true. God is with us. When life is full of fulfilled promises and happiness, God is with us in times when our desires and needs go unmet. God is with us the majority of time when some promises are met and others are left unmet. No matter what happens, what changes, whatever our circumstance may be, God is always with us. For that I say thanks be to God. Amen. When my blood runs warm with an old red wine I miss the life that I left behind When I hear the sound of the blackbirds cry I know I left in the nick of time Well, this road I'm always gonna turn to sand And leave me lost in a far-off land Let me ride the wind till I don't look back Get the life that I almost had If I wandered till I died May I know whose hands I'm in If my home I'm never find Longer I run, the less it I find Selling my soul for a nickel and dime Breaking my heart, keep singing these rhymes Losing Longer I run, the 
blessed I find Selling my soul for a nickel and dime Breaking my heart to keep singing these rhymes And losing again Tell my brother not to look for me I ain't the man that I used to be If my savior comes, could you let him know I've gone away for to save my soul If I wandered till I die May I know whose hands I'm in if my home I'll never find And let me live again Longer I run and the less that I find Selling my soul for a nickel and dime Breaking my heart to keep singing these rhymes Losing again Longer I run and the less it I find Selling my soul for a nickel and dime Breaking my heart to keep singing these rhymes And losing again Hello, Dawn. What's up, Lucas? Not much. Uh, just enjoying a, a spring day, and it looks like you're sipping some decaf coffee. Yeah, how do you know it's decaf? Because you're pregnant. Should be decaf. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> do you miss real coffee? Yeah, man. I miss Buna coffee. I know a lot of people miss uh, our Ethiopian coffee. Mm, so thank you for a good word. Uh, I'm, I'm already digging this sermon series about covenants. And it's funny because it's kind of a naturally occurring sermon series. It, it was just the way the lectionary, and for those who don't know what a lectionary is, it's just the way that uh, our texts are aligned for a year that we sometimes choose to preach from. And um, my opening question is, how would you define covenant? It's hmm. a really good question. So I, I like to think about coven- covenants in the language of promise, which comes out a lot in the last two sermons. I did. It's it's God's promise to us, and then there's also this opportunity for us to make a, a promise back to God. Um, sometimes, though, I think it is kind of like a contract, you know, like we're both, especially something like a marriage contract, where both um, where both parties are taking vows, and there's an expectation to uphold those vows. Um, but I I do think that contract falls short, especially when we're talking about covenants with God, because it's transactional, like we talked about before, and and God's covenants are just—I think they can be everlasting because they're not dependent on one human or even a line of humans. They're dependent on God continuing to choose to show up and be our God. How about you? Yeah, I mean, when you're saying that, like, God wouldn't be a great business person because— the, Or God is the best business person. True, man. Proven flipping, business model, I'm flipping, just saying. Yeah, a new business model. <laughs> For me, I, I really rely on that idea of promise— and uh, uh, and the relationship that goes along with a covenant. It, it's not um, because we're we're giving something back to God. It's because God wants to be in relationship with us. And I think when you make a promise or when you make a covenant with someone, you 
form a relationship. Mm -hmm. and, and that only grows um, in the waiting, which is kind of what you preached on today, that covenants don't happen overnight. The promises that we uh, are given don't happen on our timetable. And so it just seemed really fitting that this series on covenants was the lectionary for uh, the beginning of 2021, when it's been a long time waiting uh, of this pandemic, of all the issues in the world and in our communities. And I just, it's kind of crazy the way the Holy Spirit works in that way. Mm -hmm. I didn't go there in this sermon, but I am thinking about like, you know, when somebody tells me like the pandemic's over, like you can hug a stranger, <laughs> anyone you want. Like I might fall on my face. I think that it, out of joy, out of excitement, out of unbelief, you know, mm. um, and and if I'm honest, there probably are going to be some other feelings of, come on, God, why? Why did it take this long? You mm -hmm. know? Or, I mean, in, but it also could take a lot longer. Like, I mean, I was just listening to an article. It was like, the fact that the vaccine got developed so quickly is a miracle in itself. Mm -hmm. Like, normally it takes four to six years. And so there's so many things to give thanks for, um, even while we wait. And the sermon struck me in so many ways because I am notoriously impatient like I I don't like waiting and I don't think many people do but I'm wondering if you have ever found a time when waiting was was a holy practice or was uh, an opportunity to find joy and experience God so I'm also impatient trying to think of a time <laughs> where waiting has been fruitful and for me it's been um like if I'm waiting in a car, let's say, for to take my son to a pedi pediatrician appointment, right? If I'm just waiting in the car to be called to go inside, that's awful. Like I'm mm. just focusing on <laughs> what's next and I'm missing the, the moments there. Uh, but if I can, you know, ask him what he wants to listen to in the car or read a book together or look at a bird together and, and capture that moment as fleeting time that I'm not going to get back with my three-year-old, then I think um, I'm more able to appreciate the waiting. Um, and I think that's true for this pandemic too, and maybe for Abraham and Sarah as well, that sure they had, they do have these, um, these dreams of raising a child together and um, passing on a legacy but it doesn't mean that they're 99 years before that were not fruitful and not meaningful and not important, you know? So yeah, I'm just curious. I wish, yeah, I could interview them and be like, how did you fill your time? Cause I'm sure they had wild adventures and awesome stories and lots of other things that filled their life up, um, that weren't tied to having kids, you mm. know? And those aren't, yeah, it's that there is no wasted moment if we really, sit fully in that moment, not thinking about what's going to happen, but think about what's happening to us right now. Yeah. Yeah. I think about some of my friends who don't have kids and I'm like, man, that double income, no kids. Like they, they had traveled the world, <laughs> you know, they, they could sip their coffee without somebody touching them. Like there's, there's something to be said. And yet I do think, um, I talk to my sister about this a lot. Like nobody's given every piece of the pie and yet we can't help but look at somebody else's from the outside too and say, oh, I wish I had that. Mm. You know what I mean? And, and we often don't even know what piece that we have that somebody else is just so longing for. Like I, I do think across the board in everyone that I've met, there's something that is fulfilled and great in their life and there's something else that 
it's, it's just not. And um, sometimes I find myself just wishing so badly for them, praying God to give that one piece that they they desperately need or want, you know. Um, but we don't always pay attention to the other pieces that we've been given. Mm-hmm. Comparison is the thief of joy. Yes. Who said that? I don't know. Somebody I say, important. I say it all the time. Lucas Jones. No, don't quote, <laughs> don't quote me there. Anonymous. Um, you have this uh, quote in your sermon that says, uh, we may not ever understand God's timing. And I think that might be one of the most like true statements you've ever written in a sermon <laughs> and something that we need to remind ourselves in a world where we have so much control over everything and have can get anything at the flip of a switch. Like it can mm-hmm. be delivered tomorrow and we want it. I want it now. I'm going to get mm-hmm. it now. And uh, God makes us wait. Mm-hmm. And I think waiting is a practice that we as humans aren't as good at as we once were. I just planted two trees in my yard because I just love trees and I want some more shade. And I was like, well, this one grows 24 inches a year. And so <laughs> <laughs> it's like a, a pin oak. And it looks really pretty right now. It's like a seven-foot sapling. But I'm just thinking, I'm looking at the tree across the street that's probably 80 to 100 years old. Mm-hmm. And just the patience of, of what it took for that to become that thing and that promise mm-hmm. and that shade and, and the home for birds and squirrels and all that. And it was just a reflection of my own impatience. Mm-hmm. Uh, So I just want to, I don't really have a question there, but just thank you. We may not ever understand God's timing. No, I don't think we will. And in fact, um, I'm reading this book right now on spiritual direction by Henry Nouwen in preparation for um, maybe a book study that will start in the season of Easter. Um, And what I love about it is it's not spiritual direction, like trying to just pay attention to where God is with us at any given moment. Um, we have this tendency to kind of demand answers from God, you know, or demand faith, say, I I want this, you know, insert um, whatever in the blank space. And the quest of spiritual direction isn't to get answers. It's to revel in the questions and to, to watch how God opens up even more questions or comfort in living in the questions. Like, it's really interesting. It says, you know, people who really want deeper faith or a deeper walk with God assume that your life's going to be more comfortable or that the things that you long for are just going to start appearing. And sure, that happens sometimes, but that that is not textbook. Mm-hmm. Like, what happens when you spend more time with God is that your demeanor changes and your questions change and, and you're in relationship with God. You're, you're giving and taking and feeling God's presence, but there's in some ways, like you're, you might end up being in a more uncomfortable place, you know, mm-hmm. where your questions lead to even even deeper questions that God's not giving an immediate answer to. But for some reason, for me, that was really freeing to mm-hmm. let go of this idea that God's going to, the more faith I have, God's just going to give me all the answers. No, the more faith I have, the more I'm going to trust that God's going to be with me, even when I don't know the answers. I have this image of of Jacob wrestling God and those questions being our wrestling and the curiosity and, uh, and not settling for easy answers, which is the core competency of downtown church, one of our core values. So curiosity, curiosity, I think the whole world could use we, that's one thing I think we can learn from, uh, the younger ones among us, the tiny theologians, the downtown kids is ask why mm-hmm. don't settle for, uh, for the first answer, really dig deep. Well, and one of the things I really like about this, the banter piece, 
um, is that it points us, it, it's almost more in line with our values than a sermon, right? A sermon <laughs> is like, here's, you know, um, what I've been thinking about, what God's been doing in my mind and my heart as I pay attention to this text all week. But then uh, when you come and ask a question, it goes even deeper, you know, it invites us to go even deeper. So I hope that um, we'll be able to extend this, you know, into home groups or into dining room tables or phone calls as people um, have more questions about scripture, about a sermon, or about something happening in their lives, you know, a question is a way to be in relationship with someone else, because you're looking outside of yourself to invite somebody else in to whatever you're thinking about. And I don't want to speak for you, but if anyone ever has any questions, because I got a bunch of questions, I don't have any answers, (laughs) reach out. I'd love to meet up with you. um, and, uh, And let's talk about our questions together and see how God shows up. So Don, thank you for that word. Um, And now let us go to a time of prayer. God of covenants, God of promises, God who works on a different timetable, we offer ourselves to you. We open up ourselves to you. God, remind us of your promises to us. Remind us that patience is one of the fruits of the Spirit. It is one of the hardest to hold in this age of anxiety in which we live. Fill us up, God, in a way that only you can. Empower and embolden us to be your peacemakers in the strife, caretakers for the sick, advocators for the oppressed, and both tellers and hearers of truth. We give you thanks for all that you've given us, God. And hear us now as we pray the prayer that your son, Jesus of Christ, taught us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. As we come to the time where we will affirm our faith, I wanted to use a different uh, affirmation of faith that comes from the brief statement of faith. And a little background, and the brief statement of faith was written in 1983. Uh, 1983 was when the Northern and Southern Presbyterian churches reunited, a division that lasted uh, from the Civil War. So almost 120 years of waiting, of, of division, and they came back together and they crafted this statement of faith showing that unity would prevail, that God's covenant with this church, with its people, would prevail. So this is just one piece of the statement of faith, but I encourage you to look deeper into it. So beloved community, what is it that we believe? We trust in God, whom Jesus called Abba, Father. In sovereign love, God created the world good and makes everyone equally in God's image, male and female of every race and people, to live as one community. But we rebel against God. We hide from our Creator, ignoring God's commandments. We violate the image of God in others and ourselves, accept lies as truth, exploit neighbor and nature, and threaten death to the planet entrusted to our care. We deserve God's condemnation. Yet, 
God acts with justice and mercy to redeem creation. In everlasting love, the God of Abraham and Sarah chose a covenant people to bless all families of the earth. Hearing their cry, God delivered the children of Israel from the house of bondage. Loving us still, God makes us heirs with Christ of the covenant. Like a mother who will not forsake her nursing child, like a father who runs to welcome the prodigal home, God is faithful still. Amen. pause in life's pleasures and count its many tears while we also sorrow with the poor there's a song that will linger forever in our ears oh hard times come again no more tis a song for the benediction. 
The promise is sure. God's promise to be our God, to be with us. So as you go from this time of worship together, may the peace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the interruption of that Holy Spirit, may it be with you and with all those you love and with all those nobody loves. Amen. If you feel compelled to support the church financially, you can give a secure gift online at downtownchurch.me forward slash give. Special thanks to our technical team and artists of all forms. Musical composition and vocals brought to you by Admiral Radio. Audio mastery by Drew Parker. All Things Bright and Beautiful by Cecil Francis Alexander. Gloria Patry by City Hymns. The Longer I Run, Peter Bradley Adams. And Harder Times, Stephen Foster. Music covered under the license CCS 11209. Scripture is quoted from the New Revised Standard Version of the Bible, Theological Musings and Prayer, brought to you by Lucas Jones and Don Hyde.